through Acts, and then we come to this, this speech or this sermon of Stephen. And I realize that we need to stop and, and carefully go through these words. One, because there are points of contact with us as people question us about faith. We live in a society that more and more questions Christianity, questions those of us who follow Christ. But also, too, we need to stop here and work carefully because in this speech of Stephen, you'll notice in the next few weeks, and even as you read Acts chapter 7, that it gives this, this arc of God's redemption. We see the story, the moment that God called Abram, or Abraham as he was later called, out of Ur and began the redemption of his people. We see this arc, and so we're going to move slowly through these to, to, to soak in what Stephen is saying here, to hear the gospel again. So two weeks ago, if you remember, Stephen was doing these powerful things, and the people began to accuse him, these, these Jewish people from out of town, from other parts of the Mediterranean, and they brought him before the Sanhedrin. And the chief priest, he asked him, he says, are these things true, these accusations that they're bringing against you? And Stephen says, men, father, our brothers, fathers, listen to me. And then he begins telling them about Abraham. He begins at this common place, this common father that they all had together. He begins, and they, you can imagine them saying, yes, that's true, you're right, yes. And I see here that Stephen, he's a brilliant, he's a brilliant uh, with rhetoric. He's brilliant because he gets them, he begins at common ground and they begin saying yes with him. But don't worry, he's going to challenge them soon enough, but I don't want to get ahead of myself here. But it's interesting, he starts recounting, he begins where God begins. He begins in God, where God began his redemption by calling Abram out of the land of Ur, the land of the Chaldeans, or as it says here in Mesopotamia. Now it's interesting as you think about this, it's surprising where God begins. And I think this is probably why Stephen begins here too, and hopefully, I think he's trying to challenge the Sanhedrin because in their day, God lived in the temple, almost as if God was confined to the temple. They thought they had God figured out and they had all these categories for God, these neat little boxes for him. And Stephen reminds them that God was working in a distant land with a foreigner in the land of Ur and the Chaldeans. Now, it's interesting, maybe some of you, your, your Bible geography is a little rusty, but Ur would later become Babylon, the Babylonian Empire, the empire that came and overthrew Israel and took them into slavery back to Babylon, to exile. Babylon is now, today we know it as Iraq. So God, working well outside the bounds of what maybe the people at that time figured, calling Abram, that was his original name, calling Abram out of the land of Ur and the Chaldeans. It's surprising to us, and I, I wonder, maybe this is challenging for some of us, the places where God works. Sometimes we think we've got God figured out. We know that God's supposed to be in this church, but I'm not sure about anywhere else. That God surprises us by the way that he works, the places where he shows up. So I imagine him challenging the Sanhedrin. You can imagine them thinking, oh yeah, that's right. It wasn't always in the temple. We didn't always have God figured out. Actually, throughout our history, he's done amazing things, surprising things. Well, he doesn't stop there. God continues on with this amazing, with this audacious call to Abram. This 75-year-old man, he calls him out of the land that he knows and into a new land. He calls him out of everything he knows, the, the country he knows. 
the, the, the actual land, the physical land that he could probably walk with his eyes closed. He calls him out of the culture that he knows, where people speak his language. People understand the customs and how to act with people, what's appropriate, what's not, what's rude and what's polite. God calls him out of this. Calls him out of his inheritance because it talks about his father and, and after his father died, he, well, he went to Haram and after his father died, he moved to the land. That even his inheritance, he leaves. All of this to faithfully follow God. To follow God into this new land. This new land that is filled with God's promises, that is filled with God's provision, that he's going to rely on God to provide for him. It seems to me that so often this is the way God works. So often that God works like this, he calls us into places. Sometimes it's just this subtle leading of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's not even an audible voice. It seems like often it's just this sense that we have that God is calling us to move, calling us into a new direction, into a new place. See, it reminds us that God is at work in, in surprising ways, in surprising places. That God is God. He's not willing to stay in the boxes that we have for him. The tidy categories for how God's supposed to act. He continually goes outside of that because of who he is, because he's God. And he calls us into something new. Calls us into new things continually. New things that call us out of the comfort that we have and into this wild adventure with God. It's interesting as I think about you and some of the, the adventures that God has you on right now. Some of the uncertain places that you are walking with God. Maybe it's illness. Maybe God has, has you on a journey through illness. The things happening in your body you have no control over or little control over. Maybe it's in your relationships. Maybe with your spouse or with your children or with your parents. These places that are uncertain and that you are trying to navigate. God is calling you through these places. God is continuing to walk with you, even through the difficulties of life. So I see these things happening for each of us on a personal level, but I also see them happening here in our church as well, as a corporate level, as a family. I believe that God is calling us out of an old country and into a new country. I believe that God, in his spirit, he is calling us out of a country of comfort, where we know all the answers, where we're used to the way things are, and he's calling us into a new country, a new country of health and mission, a new country where we know God deeper. We have a deeper relationship with him. We're knowing him personally more and more, but also a new country where we know each other in new ways, where we continue to pray with each other, to grow deeper in our relationship and, and move closer together, to hold each other up, to bear each other's burdens, but also this new place as well, this growing passion, this growing desire to see our community changed. And not just change for the sake of change, but changed like the kingdom of God. Our friends and our neighbors knowing Jesus, receiving his love in their lives and his forgiveness and becoming new people, new creations. I believe that God is calling us to this new country of health and mission, growing together deeper in our relationship with God and deeper together. God does these amazing things. He shows up in these surprising places and he makes these audacious calls on our life to come and follow him. But here's the interesting thing. Abram follows him. Abram obeys. 
God calls him and he follows. I mean, think about this. This man who's well into his years, 75 years, married, no children, settled. I mean, 75 years in the same place. He knows what to expect here. This is comfortable. And God is calling him out of that onto this journey. This amazing journey that will take him up through the Fertile Crescent and then down to the land of Israel. And as you read through Generous, you read of his adventure and, and the ways that God was working through him, the, the places that he stumbled, the places that God blessed him and took care of him. He did all of this on little more than the promises of God. Without seeing all the, without seeing the end, without seeing even more than a few steps in front of him, he did this. He followed God faithfully. Abraham, or Abram, sorry, I'm getting too hard of myself. Abram <laughs> encourages us to be faithful. He encouraged us in faithfulness as well. We see his life, and it's encouraging us because Abraham's a lot like us. I mean, it's true, he was, he was a faithful man and, and one, of the, one of the fathers of Israel. But in a lot of ways, he's like us. As you read through Genesis, he makes some pretty big mistakes. But he encourages us to this faithfulness also. We're called out of, we're called out of the comfort called into this new adventure with God. I believe that God is continually calling us on these adventures to follow him in uncertain places. It's interesting as I think about our lives, and I can't help but think of, if you, I, I see these tall ships. If you know what a tall ship is, it's the ship with the three masts and the huge sails, these ships that are made for the open sea. They don't make them too much anymore, but they used to be all over the seas. And I think about the ways that God, that our lives are like these tall ships. And, and because of our desire for safety and comfort, we are tempted to stay in the harbor. We are tempted to tie up to the dock because it's safe there. Because it doesn't stretch us. Because there's little danger there. The winds can't come in through the harbor. The waves are shallow. But we were meant for the open sea. We were meant for the adventure of the open sea of following God beyond our safety, beyond our own devices, beyond our own ways of taking care of ourselves. We were meant to be in the faithful place with God, out on the open sea, where we rely on Christ for everything. We rely on him even sometimes for our next meal. I believe that God is calling us to these places, this place of faith, beyond the place where we can take care of ourselves to this new place of faith with him. I believe that Abram is calling us to this faithfulness. Now, it's this adventure, and sure, like, uh, we can talk about how adventurous it is, but I know if you guys are anything like me, I can get really excited about the adventure, but at the same time, I get a little nervous too. It's scary at times. Following God can be scary. And I know I'm the pastor. I know I'm not supposed to say that. <laughs> I know I'm supposed to say, if you follow God, everything will be perfect for the rest of your life. I know I'm supposed to say that, but the truth is, or at least as I've lived it, as I've experienced it, and I know as many of you have experienced it, the following God, that sometimes it is scary because there are uncertainties. And part of it is because I am convinced that God is more interested in our holiness than our happiness. And sometimes we get those mixed up. Sometimes we believe that God is mostly concerned about my happiness, about making my life smooth and, and wonderful. I believe God desires good for us but even more than that, he desires to make us holy. 
And some of the most fruitful times in our lives are the struggles of our lives. The struggles that we walk through faithfully. That God makes us holy in that. That God matures us and grows us up through those times. So God is more interested in making us holy than happy. But here's the other thing, too, is that God has this kingdom that he's working on, this redemption of this world that he's working on, and he calls us to be a part of that. But we are a small part of a bigger story. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that God, God values each one of us, every one of you individually. God loves you like crazy, so much so that he sent his son to die for you. But he also has important plans that he's working on. It requires often, or that always requires sacrifice from us, sometimes even ultimate sacrifice. If you don't believe me, ask Christians who live in other parts of the world where they risk their lives to follow Jesus. There's this ancient saying that the blood of martyrs are the seeds of the church. It's an old way of saying that through these ultimate sacrifices, the church grows, the church is strengthened. Through the sacrifices of our life, God is often calling us to sacrifice for the sake of the church, for the sake of his ministry in this world, the redemption of others. So there is this scary element to it. But here's the thing. We can walk faithfully with God, with this humble courage. And I use this word humble courage intentionally because sometimes people have this bravado about following God, this chauvinism. They say how God is in their lives and they've got no worries Everything's going to be fine. They have nothing to worry about anymore. Sometimes I like to run with that crowd. <laughs> I'd love to. But I also think sometimes, at least in my life as I've experienced it, sometimes that courage, not so bravado, that courage is more this courageous following God even when we feel fear, even when we feel uncertainty. As I was thinking about this, it reminds me of when I used to rock climb more. I haven't done much of that uh, in a long time. But, you know, if, I don't know if any of you here have rock climbed, but, I mean, I remember at times I'd be multiple pitches up, hundreds of feet up on a cliff that happens to be on the side of a mountain. So you can imagine you start looking down how high you are. And I get scared. You know, some people, they loved it. They loved the thrill. They loved to look down and to see how far it would be to their death. And that's <laughs> not, that wasn't my thing. I, but I still enjoyed climbing. And part of it for me was overcoming fear. And the way that I would do it is I would focus just on the task at hand. I wouldn't look down at the void below me. I'd look at right at the, the work I had to do, the next few holds, the next few steps. This is what I'm getting at with this humble courage. That we keep working in the next few steps, even though we're uncertain, maybe even afraid. But we take the next few steps with God. We take the next few steps with Christ, following him, following him faithfully, even when we're uncertain of the answers. See, Abraham encourages us. We see his response, the way that he follows God, and it encourages us to faithfulness, to this humble courage. But here's the good news. Here's the good news I have for you this morning. God is faithful. God is amazingly faithful faithful. He cares for you deeply and he is faithful. I mean, look at Abraham. I mean, just think about his life and think about the promises that God makes to him. You'll be the father of many nations even though you're over 70 years old now. 
You will have more children than the stars of the sky, even though you are old and have no children at all. Your children will possess this land, even though you will never possess a foot of it. Your people will be oppressed and made slaves in Egypt, but I will bring them out. I will give you a new name. No longer are you Abram, you are Abraham, father of many nations. And I'll give you a new covenant, a covenant of circumcision, to make, to bind this promise that I've made to you. And then, Abram in his age, he and Sarah, they have a son, Isaac, son of laughter. And then Isaac has a son, Jacob. And Jacob has 12 sons who become the patriarchs, the 12 patriarchs of Israel. We see God's faithfulness begin with this one man. This surprising place. So many places you think, like, how is this even possible? And yet God fulfills his promise. God continues to fill his promise. As I think about Abram, I see the, this ebb and flow of God's faithfulness. I see the way that God works through both ebb and flow. Through good, through tragedy, and through triumph. I mean, you think about it. Exodus, the amazing event of the Exodus followed by the discouraging event of the wilderness. Or the fact that the people were terrible, they were oppressed and brought into exile, but then they were returned, restored to the land. And then finally, Jesus, God himself, comes and lives among us. We think about the joy and the celebration of the Incarnation. The Christ came to dwell among us, and we celebrate this every Christmas. But then we also struggle with, with the, the disillusion of the crucifixion. What has happened here? But then we come back to the joy of the resurrection, that God is alive. That death could not keep him, that he defeated death. He defeated evil and sin on the cross. That he saved us from, his, from our sins. By his wounds we have been healed. And we celebrate the fact that he is alive again. And yet we mix that with the fact that he is ascended at God's right hand. That he is not here with us now, but we have hope that he is coming again. This ebb and flow, this tragedy and triumph that, that marks the people of God from the beginning. The good news is that God is at work in all of this. Faithfully working in all of this. I suspect some of you See the ebb and flow in your life. See the tragedies that have happened in your life. And you see, maybe you're able to look back on over the years the way God has been redeeming those horrible things that have happened to you. The God is bringing fruit out of now. Or maybe you look at the triumph in your life right now. Maybe things are going really well right now and you praise God for this. I want to encourage you that God is at work in both of these. If it is tragedy right now, if you are in a hard spot, or as Jenny mentioned, a dry spot, a dry season, a season when you're discouraged, I encourage you to take heart. I encourage you to take heart because God is with you in this. He is at work redeeming the situation, even though it seems beyond redemption to you, maybe. That God is at work and redeeming it bringing fruit out of things that have gone badly. Maybe you're in a season of triumph right now. Things are going great. I encourage you to soak it up. Soak up these days so that when things turn again, you'll have these days to remember. They will encourage you that not all days are hard. 
that there is this ebb and flow of triumph and tragedy. I want to encourage you in this. And if you will follow God, and I can tell you this from my own experience, if you will follow God faithfully through this, He will grow you. He will grow you up in faith. He will make you more and more like Christ. You see, triumph and tragedy, they they spur us on to hope. They cultivate hope in us. We see the good days and they give us hope. This is a taste of what it will be like with God. We, We experience the difficult days and they give us hope for a better day. We long for those days when there will be no more tears, when God will make everything new and good. But triumph and tragedy, they they also cultivate prayer in us. When things are great, we pray gratefulness to God. God, we praise you for what you've done. When things are difficult, prayer becomes a lifeline for us. No longer just words we say, but the very breath we breathe. Triumph and tragedy, they cultivate an open heart too. As we will go through through difficulty and tragedy in our lives, it will soften us. If we will follow Christ faithfully through it, it will make us more gentle. It will make us more compassionate, especially for those who struggle. So I want to encourage you. I'm not trying to glorify tragedy, but I am saying if we will walk through it faithfully, it will grow us. Do not despise your tragedy. If you follow God faithfully through it, he will grow you in it. It will be painful. It will be miserable. I can tell you it will be miserable. But afterwards, when you look back on it, you will see the way it has grown you. I pray that you hear God speaking to you this morning through the story of Abram, who became Abraham. I pray that you see again these surprising places where God shows up. Places well outside of what we expected. And the surprising call he makes on our lives. The audacious call he makes, he calls us out of our comfort to follow him. I pray that you see Abraham. He encourages you to faithfulness, to following God even when it's uncertain. And I pray that you are strengthened and encouraged that in triumph or tragedy, God is at work. I pray that you are encouraged by these things, that you hear God speaking you see how deeply God loves you, that he's been at work in this world and bringing this redemption that we've received for centuries. I pray that you're encouraged in these things. Amen.